Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Welcome everyone. I am so delighted to have you join us tonight. I have my friend Misty Beller here. So Misty, do you want to take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I am Misty Beller. I write Christian historical romance. Um, my books are usually set in the 1800s, kind of between 1810 and 1880. Um, and they're almost always set in the Rocky Mountains sometimes Montana, sometimes up in the Canadian Rockies. Um, those are definitely my favorite settings. Yeah, and the Canadian Rockies are just, I okay, so I grew up in Nebraska and the Rocky Mountains, like the Colorado Rockies were my mountains. And then we went to the Canadian Rockies and I went, oh my. Those are it's, real mountains. It's amazing. Cause instead of having, you know, a range where you can see two or three mountains at a time, all of a sudden you've got like, you're literally surrounded by so many mountains, you can't even count them all. So why did you decide on the Rockies? Because you're not from the mountains, even though all your books are. Yeah, um, so I'm from South Carolina and we had family who lived in California, or we, we still do. Much of my mom's family is in California and we would drive across the country every other year. Um, and we'd take a different route each time. So sometimes we'd take I-40 across the middle of the U.S. And sometimes we'd go south through 10 and 20. And sometimes we'd go north through 70 or 90. Um, and it was really neat to see all these different parts of the country and fall in love with the cowboys in Texas and the mountains in Montana <laughs> and Wyoming and Colorado. Um, and so I just always had that, you know, some people are beach people and some people are mountain people. I'm a mountain person, um, always had that love deep inside. So when I started writing, um, I knew I wanted to write Christian historical romance and kind of Westerns. So my first book I was writing, um, I set it in Texas um, because again, there's cowboys. <laughs> but as I was nearing the end of that book, um, God planted the idea for a book that was set in the Montana mountains. Um, the story is about a mail order bride who um, comes and when she gets to the mountains, her groom is dead, um, but his brother and sister are there. Um, so she's, you know, dealing with the, oh, what do I do now? Um, anyway, so she ends up with a broken leg and snowed in this mountain cabin. And just the concept of being in the Rocky Mountains, snowed in the cabin in this remote setting with this mountain man who's pretty standoffish and I just, I fell in love with that idea. And as I wrote that book, I realized I love writing this type of setting. This, this is my place, strong heroines, strong mountain men heroes, um, add in some horses and you got a kind of a cowboy mix. And <laughs> so that is really where I, I found my calling. Um, and I did end up doing a trilogy with the series in Texas, but every other book from then on has been in the mountains. Um, have a, a series set in Wyoming and then a series um, set in some in Montana and some in the Canadian Rockies there in Alberta what later became Alberta these, of course they weren't called by these names then but anyway so that's 
that's how I got there. <laughs> so Linda McFarland is saying that she's a big fan. And I know that there are a lot of readers who just really enjoy your books and you do series. So some of them have three books. Some of them have, it looked like 10 or something like 12. that. Yeah. How do you decide how many books are going to go into one of your series? Um, so I wish I could say I planned the series from start to finish from the front end. I don't. I am a planner in my life and in books as I but I've never really been able to plan a series very well. I've tried. <laughs> Um, but really, I, you know, I kind of have an idea on the front end, it's probably going to be this character, and then this will be this character story and this character. And then as I'm writing, the characters come alive, and I realize, oh, this person needs a story too, and we definitely have to tell this story. So um, the series that I'm, one of the series I'm writing currently, I'm writing book number seven right now, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be a 10 book series. But. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you ever have it's your readers who are like, uh, you might have thought you were done, but you're not because I have this story and this story and what happens to this character? Yes, yes. I'm struggling with that right now. Um, in this series that Bethany House published, uh, book three was supposed to be the end of the series. Um, and it released in January. Um, Faith's Mountain Home is the name of it. And there's a brother in that book that I was okay with letting his story go. Like, I kind of know where it's going to go, what his life is going to be like, I think. Um, but I've had several letters from readers or emails or notes that you have to tell Aaron's story. When is Aaron's story going to come out? So I'm thinking, well, I haven't planned to write Aaron's story, but maybe I can squeeze it in. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I always think that's really fun when readers fall so in love with the characters, the setting, the stories that they're like, okay, we can't stop. We need to know. And I think sometimes some of our best stories kind of evolve that way. Like Flight Risk was one of those for me where it was my editor who was like, uh, Savannah needs her own story. And I'm like, but I wasn't planning on her having a story. <laughs> and then it's a book that's really resonated with readers and I yeah. never would have even imagined it. If she hadn't said, I, I think she needs a story. Yeah. Readers so, plant those thoughts and, and then yeah. they just kind of spiral. And it's so much fun when that happens because then you know readers really are vested. They, they've had that connection. Yes. So is there a story that you're like, oh my goodness, this is the one that I didn't expect to have that kind of connection. And yet, oh, people have just really connected with you know, whether it was the hero or the heroine, um, which story really kind of surprised you? Um, that's kind of a tough question, but there is one that jumps to mind. Um, it's called This Daring Journey. It's, it's in my mountain series. It's in the 12 book series. Um, it, <laughs> the heroine is um, Native American. Um, but she had married a white man and he died um, before the story starts. This, and she's with child and she actually just had the baby by herself. Um, she's holed up in the log cabin um, when the, the hero of the story comes in and he helps get her and the baby to her people. Turns out her people aren't there. So then he gets her to his people and they fall in love happy, happily ever after. But that, I, I loved writing that story. Um, more than I expected to. Like, I really connected with those characters. 
but sometimes that's me and readers I you know there's some that I'm just more emotionally attached to and readers seem to be kind of the same with every book um but that book really I just got such sweet notes from readers about that and I don't know if it's the baby in this story because you've got a newborn baby um and the heroine was just she was just an amazing lady she really was um just one that I wish I could be her I wish I could be as strong as her I don't want to go through what she went through yeah yeah so uh, do you find that you um connect more with the hero or with the heroine when you're writing a story or does it fluctuate from book to book I think it changes from book to book. Um, there have been some books where I went into it thinking, I know this hero inside and out and I am in his head and, mm -hmm. um, and I expect him to be my favorite. And then the heroine will surprise me um, or vice versa. Um, <laughs> the, the first uh, mountain book that I told you about, the um, second book I wrote, The Lady and the Mountain Man, where I really found my mountain calling. Um, the hero in that story is, um, it's kind of my brother. <laughs> he's patterned after my brother. Um, he's just a strong, silent type. Um, of course, David's not nearly as bitter and all that as the hero was at the beginning. But um, it, I think I connected so deeply with him. I wasn't sure if readers would, but I loved him so much just because I, I built his character after my brother. Um, but that's I think so we just like him too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that's one that I've heard a lot about, you know, that just people have talked about when you'll be like, okay, what's the Misty Beller book that you like the most? That one definitely comes up. So there must have been some, I think when we connect as writers with our characters, it helps the readers to connect as well. So Linda says your covers are so pretty. Do you get input on those? And I know that it can be different with your traditionally published with Bethany House and versus your indie published books because you've written a lot that you've put out yourself. So with those, do you hire someone to do the covers or do you do the covers yourself? Um, there's actually a little bit of a mix. Um, so with my individually, the books I publish, um, I, I like to do graphic design kind of as a, just my my creative time when I need to when I don't want to use my brain I just want to you know play with things um and so sometimes I'll just hit on a cover um that I really like um but I've had some fantastic cover designers um that I've worked with as well so and this is kind of a neat story so you mentioned that I have some Bethany House books and with Bethany House they ask for um information about the book and the characters and everything and I, I give them kind of the way I see it um, and then they take over and manage the design. Um, and I, then I'll see the, the finished product. Um, but I don't usually know who works on the cover until the book is published, honestly. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is kind of a long story, but it was such a neat thing that happened. It's really a God thing. Um, one of the cover designers that I had used for my independently published books, um, I used him because he had done some Bethany House books. And I just, I've always loved their covers. They're just, they're kind of my dream publisher. Um, and so I, I hired Kirk to do covers for Texas Trilogy. <laughs> yes, Kirk DuPont. Yeah. Um, and he's amazing. He really is. And so my Bethany House series, the first series with them, when I got the, the proofs, the final proofs to read through before it was going to print um, for book one, 
they had the cover design information in the front. <laughs> it was Kirk DuPont's. <laughs> that was so neat. So he has done the covers in one of my indie books series and also my, my first Bethany House series. Yeah, and that would explain why when I was on your website, you know, kind of going through them all, uh, before we got on, I was like, wow, there's, they're really consistent. You know, I could tell which ones were probably yours, but then I was like, wow, but there's a lot of consistency across these. So how cool that, you know, you're working with one of the top designers on your indie books, and then you also get to work with them with Bethany House. Yes. So you've published both indie where you're doing all the work on your own kind of upfront, you've got to hire the editors, you've got to, you know, create your own deadlines to stick with them. And then you've gotten to work with Bethany House as well. So what are some of the, I guess, what would be one advantage of the indie publishing and one advantage of working with a dream team like the Bethany House group of excellent people? Yes, they're amazing. They're, I know really do have the dream team at Bethany House. Um, I absolutely love everyone I work with there from my, my, um, acquiring editor, my line editor, my everybody, they're amazing. Um, so I, with my independently published books, I not only do I have to do the contracting, but I get to do it. I get to control that. And I'm a little bit of, I'm not really a control freak, but I like to schedule things. I like to coordinate things. <laughs> I was a project manager in a, in a past life as part of this life um, before I wrote. Um, so I love having that control over my schedule and I like being able to plan ahead and I've got my release schedule planned out usually for a couple years. Um, and you know, I need to have the, the writing done here and I can release more often. So if I can write the books, um, then I can put them through the production process and, and release them. So I love that. I really love that. And I love how, um, it's, I've been able to, um, you kind of get to connect a little closer with readers sometimes I think um, because I can put I can change the note in the back of the book and I can um, it, it's just it's nice there's not a, a gatekeeper between me and the reader there so I've really um, met some amazing readers through my independently published books um, and I really love the process of, of kind of managing it myself and I kind of said you know I really like doing this. If I was going to be with a traditional publisher, I think Bethany House is really, that would be my dream publisher. That would be the one I would go with because I've been reading Christian historical romance since I was a teenager and even actually a child, um, the Mandy series by Lois Gladys. Yeah. And as I got to be old enough to really understand publishers, I began to realize that every one of my favorite books was published by Bethany House. <laughs> So they stood up to me. Exactly. So I, even as a teenager, when I never thought I could write my own book, um, they were still just on this pedestal for me. Um, so when I started writing and, um, you know, wrote more and more, um, they were just always a dream, a kind of a, a distant dream at times. But um, then God eventually brought us together, um, brought me to my agent at just the right time. And um, with, I just love working with Bethany House. So I now um, always have a series going with Bethany House and I always have a series that I'm independently publishing. So um, sometimes I'll have releases that cross over, but it's fun to have those, those two streams going. Um, it's really the best of both worlds for me. I love it. And I hope readers do too. Yeah. So you had a book that just came out 
you've got one that's getting ready to come out and then you have a Bethany house book in August. I don't even know. And people like to say I'm Wonder Woman and I'm like, I don't even know how you're juggling all of that plus four kids. So how, tell us about the books, the book that just came out and the ones that are getting ready to come out. Okay, yes, I'd love to. So the book that just came out is in one of my indie series. Um, it's the series name is Call of the Rockies. And my initial thought for this series was um, a group of five guys, kind of a band of brothers. They're not, most of them aren't actually brothers. Um, and they're traveling through um, what would later become Montana territory. Um, and they're following the trail that Lewis and Clark followed um, up the Missouri River and then across the, the um, mountain range, the Lolo Trail and all that good stuff. Um, and so, the first five books have each been one of the guy's stories. Um, so this was book four in the series that just released this week. Um, it's called Courage in the Mountain Wilderness. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this was great timing. Um, and this was Caleb's story. He's the, he's the guy, he was actually a, a pastor, a preacher, um, and left his church to come west with some friends. Um, and he's really kind of the spiritual mentor for the group. Um, not all of them started off with faith, but um, by the end of each of their stories, their faith is much stronger. Um, but Caleb is just one of those good guys. He's, um, he's the one who's got your back. And I, I could not wait to write his story. Um, he's definitely been a reader favorite throughout the series. So. Oh, that's so um, fun. <laughs> So it is really actually amazing that Bethany is allowing you to, it sees the value of you writing the series for them and then writing these other books and having some potential crossover and things like that. So is there any connection between the book that's getting ready to come out from Bethany and the ones that you've self-released? Um, that's a good question. There's, there's not a connection other than that same um, kind of remote mountain setting. Um, I, I'm so excited about the Bethany House book that's coming out in August of this year. Um, it's book one in a new series. And I love this concept. Um, so bear with me as I get excited about it. That you're just loving and excited about. So it's this community that's um, living in caves in the Canadian Rockies, um, and they're hidden. They've been hidden there for over 100 years. Um, they were a French group who um, left New France, which eventually became Canada, um, and they went west, and they found these caves, and they just really wanted to get away from the politics and all the chaos that was happening in New France, and um, so they developed this hidden community um, they have a couple of the native tribes that they trade with, but beyond that, no one knows about them. Um, is this real? Was it really a community that lived there? Or is no, it just something? I wish it was. <laughs> I had to really that concept, though. I know. I, I loved it when it, I had the original idea that they might be a Viking community because there were supposedly some that were planted in different areas, but we eventually modernized it a little bit. This is a big concept to go, okay. <laughs> you know like if you go to Arizona or places like that you'll see the caves that the Indian you know, like the Pueblos and Navajos or I'm probably getting the tribes all messed up sorry but you know that they were living in and I can remember being like in the Sedona area and going wow I, I can't quite imagine living in caves like that and yet they had these entire communities 
So you're just kind of taking that and moving it up north into Canada. Yeah. That's so cool. And there was such a tiny, tiny bit of travel in that area, just a few trappers, um, that it was it was very easy for a community to just be so isolated that no one knew about them. Yeah. So, so my hero stumbles upon them. Um, he's This was during the War of 1812. Um, okay. And he's been sent north to find this mineral um, that the scientists have discovered um, if it's um, blended with another mineral, um, it can create an explosion. So kind of an atomic bomb is the, the theory, but they didn't have it, name it that back then. So yeah. he's been sent north um, to find this mineral and um, he stumbles upon the community and um, he may or may not find this mineral within their community. You'll have to read the book to find out. <laughs> Um, yes, that would be totally disruptive. So then he'd have choices he would have to make. And exactly, exactly. And if he happened to fall in love with their um, their chief protector, kind of the chief of the guards, then it'd be a tough choice. Or John Ralph a little bit going on there. <laughs> I love it. So it, uh, Danielle's like, that sounds fascinating. I'm like, I agree. That's really cool that you've got all these different concepts coming together. I can see why you're excited about that one. Yes. And Bethany House did an amazing cover for it too. Um, the book is called A Warrior's Heart. Um, so it's all already available for pre-order on the different retailers. So you guys can take a peek at the cover. I was, I was just so excited with everything they've done with this book. So I'm in the middle of writing book two in that series right now. So it's fun. Awesome. And you had some surprising news recently. Yes, yes. Um, so you mentioned we have four kiddos. Um, and we thought our family was very complete, <laughs> but God said we needed one more. <laughs> so we have um, baby number five on the way. I, I just kind of shared it with my readers this week. Yeah, so, um, that's a lot when you've got, because your kids are 14 to two. So that's quite a, a spread. You're writing all these different books and now you're dealing with the early stages of pregnancy and all the wonderful things that come with that. So how can, you know, people who are watching, how can they be praying for you right now? Is there something that you're like, yeah, I really need this. You know, I really do need prayer that God will just feed this story into me and give me the, the strength and keep me from throwing up long enough <laughs> to write it <laughs> because I am on a pretty tight deadline with this one. Um, Bethany House has been so wonderful to, to work with me as needed, but um, I, I am just praying kind of for supernatural strength and that, that it would be the story that God wants it to be. Um, and the baby would be the baby that God wants it to be. So as I struggle through these both at the same time, um, I, I would so appreciate prayer from readers. That would be just, that would be so appreciated. So. Yeah, because there's, you know, I, one of the things I've learned, because we've probably written about the same number of books. I've got 34, 35. It looked like you were getting pretty close to that if you're not yeah. already there. Yeah, I'm writing number 30. So Okay, yeah, so you're really close. And it's, you know, that idea that it is such a partnership with God. And I found he often pushes me beyond what I think I can do because yes. then I have to rely on him. I can't, because yes. I'm one of those people, I'm like, I can just gut it out. And there are times when writing's been like, okay, God, I cannot gut this out anymore. And so we'll mm -hmm. definitely be praying that he would just infuse you with the strength and that creativity. Yes. At this point, it's going to be supernatural. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So 
you are you live like 10 minutes from the farm that you grew up on you've got horses I think you've got like a small farm yourself right now right isn't that what your family lives on sort um, of yeah yeah so the really I'm one of the only siblings who's left the family farm um but our horses are still there and um, my brother runs cattle and um and you know the, my grandparents are still there and my parents and everything oh, is wonderful awesome. so, so you've got lots of real life fodder I mean you you know horses you know farming and and cattle and all of this. So when you're riding cowboys and stuff, you're like, I know how to saddle that horse. And I know what could go wrong with cattle or, you know, colic and things like that. So does it, does that background, does that experience that you've had with your family, does that help you to write these books that are then, you know, kind of infused with it? It's the farm and more. Yeah, um, it definitely cuts back on the research I need to do, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I grew up on horseback, um, my brother and I both, and I actually trained horses professionally for a few years, um, awesome. after college. So that was, that was fun. That was very physically demanding, but, um, I, so I love pulling on that. In fact, I've had to kind of rein that in a little bit on some books. I did that better on some books than others, but, um, yeah, it's, and it's really fun um, as I'm thinking through, you know, some of the trials and tribulations the characters might go through um, to think back through sometimes some of those things happen to us, <laughs> you know, with horse injuries or even births. Um, my brother and I would um, raise and sell foals as through our teenage years. That's how we funded our cars and, you know, all, um, all that good stuff. So just the wonder of seeing a, a full born, um, that is just one of the, experience, an experience that everyone should um, get to do at some point in their lives. But that's been so neat to, to write those scenes in books and just, um, just the wonder of it. It's almost like a human birth, almost not quite, but very close. It's just amazing yeah. to see God create this, this new being and it comes to life. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I think that wonder that you have for those processes and those, those experiences then gets infused into the characters and that then makes it real for the readers. And you know, that is such a, a gift to be able to do that and your passion for the mountains and for the time period. And, you know, 1810 to 1880 is still quite a spread, but at the same time, that gives you a lot of flexibility and where you're going to plant the books, but still keeps you kind of embedded is is there a reason that you've picked that 1810 to 1880 window there is there the main reason that i cut it off at 1880 is because that's when um kind of electric gas powered lighting was coming west and the train was coming into montana and it's just it became more civilized and not yeah. the remote setting not really the the mountain men were kind of gone by then um, my, so on our farm, um, my grandparents live in the, the family farmhouse. Um, it's about 140 years old, I think, at this point. Um, and it still doesn't have um, central heat or air conditioning. Um, so all through my growing up years, they heated with the fire and they ran fans in the summer. And, um, and I just love that. And they have antiques throughout. And so we would like the kerosene lanterns and... And I would just pretend that I lived back in the 1800s. I did that so many times. I, that was, you know, some kids play princess. I played, I put on the apron and the 
<laughs> and pretended that there was no power and and you were practicing all along for writing these types of books. That's so fun. Whereas like when I was growing up, it was watching like the classic movies and you know the World War II time period and the music and all of that. So it's fun how sometimes those influences really can come in to what we're writing. And I, I have a very narrow time frame that I'm like, this is what I write because the research is too much if it goes beyond that gap. So, all right, sorry, I have a little delay. This is one of my helpers. She helps brainstorm and tell me if the cover's right or not. <laughs> well, I love that. You know, it's great when you can get the family and the kids involved and make them part of the process. So yeah. um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with those who are watching or listening to this uh, about your books? And I know that when people go to your website and sign up for your newsletter, you send them a free book. Um, is there a special place that they need to go or anything that you would like them to know in kind of the closing moments. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is mistymbeller.com and um, I do give away book one in my Wyoming Mountain Tales series um, for those who sign up for my newsletter. Um, and that's, that's really a fun book. It's called A Pony Express Romance. So the story, um, the hero is a Pony Express rider. Um, so if you guys want to take to see if it's the right fit for you, um, I encourage you go grab that book, that free ebook. Um, and I look forward to meeting you through email. I love, I'm, I'm an email person, um, even more so than social media. So I love hearing from readers through email and um, I, I just can't wait to see everyone. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope those of you who've tuned in have enjoyed this opportunity to get to meet Misty and learn more about her books. Um, I think that <clears throat> she's someone that you'll really enjoy, especially if you like books like Mary Keneally's or kind of those Western cowboy books set in the 1800s. So thanks so much. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in. 